Hello everyone, welcome to Podcast Monsters, your best source for all things past, present, and future in the world of Pokemon. This week, we'll be covering the first official details of Pokemon's 25th anniversary celebration, the long-awaited return of a beloved Pokemon game, and some up-and-coming events, releases, and new merch drops. I'm your host, Trainer Dunce, and with me I'm joined by Trainer Shinja. Hello, hello. And Bruise and Pikachus. Hello, everybody. What's happening? All right. And I'd also like to give a special shout out to at legendary underscore collectors from Instagram uh, for successfully completing uh, the challenge that we posed two weeks ago on Team Controversy. You're going to have to walk us through. Give us give us a background yeah, on Team yeah, Controversy. Yeah. yeah. So for, for Pokemon Go, um, there was an opportunity uh, for players to submit screenshots of themselves and a a team of three Pokemon, and they had to fit a certain theme. And so I decided to go with the theme of controversy. Uh, so my picks were Grimer, Jinx, and Porygon. And uh, we challenged our listeners to guess why those were all controversial Pokemon, and Legendary Collectors nailed it. Um, and now that we've been discovered, uh, I can share with you why they're controversial Pokemon. The cat is out of the bag. Yeah, it is. There's no getting it back. So the first Pokemon, Grimer, uh, the controversy surrounding Grimer was when the trading card game released in Japan, there was a Grimer card uh, where Grimer is coming out of a sewer. Like a pothole, manhole, right? Yeah, like a manhole cover. And it was looking up the skirt uh, of a girl who was walking by. And when they brought the card over uh, to English, they had to change the artwork so Grimer wasn't peeping anymore. Uh, so that that's just a little how grimy. Yeah, ugh. what is the amount ball. of stuff that ended up in Japanese? I just think culturally they're so interesting. With their like quote unquote children's entertainment, you know, when you watch like anime, there's always stuff like this, and you know it's made for kids. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah, it's, it's so bizarre. Kind of they got away with <laughs> right for sure. Yeah. So the second uh, the second Pokemon controversy is Jinx. Uh, I feel like a lot of people knew this one. Uh, Jinx originally, uh, skin on Jinx's face was black, or at least uh, the color around Jinx's face was black. And for a lot of audiences, especially Western audiences, they sort of likened that to Jinx wearing blackface. Uh, so they had to change Jinx to a purple color. Um, and that was controversy number two. There was also a Jinx card where Jinx has got its hands on its chest. Yeah. And that was also yeah, quite right. controversial. I think that art was changed later on. Yeah. Jinx has just got a lot going on in its history. <laughs> yeah, Jinx has got some, uh, it's got some skeletons, so. Uh. Yeah, I don't want to Jinx it, but I think it's okay now. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx also has a lot of fans, I'll just say that. Oh. Yeah. Only fans? Don't, oh. don't look at, uh, at Bernie Shadows. Or maybe you should <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. Yes. Oh, God. All right. And the last one is probably the most obscure of the three, Porygon. There was an episode of the Indigo League, which originally aired only in Japan, which involved or which featured the Pokemon Porygon. Uh, in this episode, they go into the virtual world. Um, and there's a sequence in this episode uh, where there's an explosion and there is a rapid flashing of red and blue lights. Um, and this actually ended up giving a lot of kids seizures in Japan. Um, and so that episode never made it over to English. And it wasn't on the air for very long. Yeah, banned episode. 
Yeah, banned episode. So yeah, I, those are three controversial Pokemon. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more controversies in Pokemon, um, but those were, I think, you know, a nice little selection. And also, they were all Kanto Pokemon. So the event had was featuring Kanto Pokemon. So those were the yeah, that's right. You know, I think three of the most obvious uh, controversies, but for very different reasons. So I thought that was kind of kind of spicy yeah no that was really well done it, it actually you should have submitted that it would have been really funny to see if niantic reacted or whatever like i doubt it but <laughs> yeah do for the meme exactly well, but well, well, well done dunks, legendary collectors yeah well done legendary and uh you know dunks you did say there was probably plenty of other controversies and there's been plenty of years mm-hmm. for those controversies to have gone down ah ah uh, giving you a layup there uh, I whiffed it. Plenty of years. Oh, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's Dunks' first time hosting. Also, as a an obvious little intro, like, yay, good job, Dunks, you got this. Let's yeah, go. Pokemon's been around uh, for a lot of years. How many years? How many years has it been? I don't know. Twenty five. Twenty five years. Wow, twenty five years. There should be a celebration. Oh wait. We just got news of the 25th anniversary, Pokemon's 25th anniversary celebration events. Um, and we've got a lot of information for you guys today. So there was a big announcement. Um, we have actual official details for Pokemon's 25th anniversary celebration now. And it starts on a bit of a strange note. First off, we have a collaboration with Katy Perry. So the Pokemon company and Katy Perry are teaming up to make some special music to celebrate Pokemon's 25th anniversary. Well, you said it starts on a strange note or maybe a beautiful note. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the puns are going to uh, just keep coming today. I'm really, I'm on a roll. I'm feeling it. Yeah, Bruce, <laughs> Bruce you just sit back and make puns today. <laughs> They're horrible. Bruce, do you stand Katy Perry? Do I stand with Katy Perry? Stan. Like, S-T-A-N. Do you like her? I don't think I know what that means. <laughs> what is the stand? Your age is showing, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so like, 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 you're a big fan of her. Like, you stand someone. Like, I stand John Mayer, for example, which is a funny. Why, w- why wouldn't you just say fan? Are you a fan of Katy Perry? What's the difference? It's like a new thing. It's a what? What do you call it? Slang. A term. A slang. Is it? Is it, is it like? Is it like a cap? Slang? No cap. Because I've just started to use cap and no cap. Yes. Yes. It's like right, that. It's fair exactly enough. Like fair that. enough. Let's see what Urban Dictionary says. <laughs> this is going to be a wild episode. We have so much to cover, and we're talking about this. <laughs> oh, we're starting off All right. Well, let's here. get in here. I'm, I am going to give my thoughts on Katy Perry really quick because I just think it's wild. First of all, why does Pokemon need to collaborate with any artists? I think, you know, music is a huge part of Pokemon, but it's always original, beautiful Pokemon music, right? Nintendo-centric kind of sounding music. And I don't know of too many other collaborations. Now, obviously, Pokemon also has the amazing theme song that we all know and love uh, from the original anime. And so, you know, that's another big piece of the Pokemon culture that we all love. So, you know, will Katy Perry be making original music? Will... She'd be maybe doing a remake or a rendition of the original theme. I mean, there are just so many ways that this could go. Is she going to be getting into maybe collaborations and doing some card openings or other things? I know we saw a tweet from Leonhardt maybe alluding to 
something like that. So there's just a lot of questions that I have about this, and I'm excited to see what uh, this collaboration looks like. And it doesn't sound like she'll be the only artist. Sounds like there might be multiple artists uh, jumping in and adding to this celebration. So kind of a cool idea, right? Celebrations and parties, they always involve some sort of music, so it makes sense, but it's just kind of weird. It's a weird part. It's a weird thing to start with. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Apparently, she's a big fan of the Pokemon franchise, so interesting you know if she's excited to do something and pokemon has not been afraid to try out collaborations in pretty much all of their like media platforms lately so very true i know Katy perry was probably a surprising choice for a lot of people myself included like not that i dislike Katy perry or anything i just personally didn't think she was maybe as relevant I, I, I don't want to be mean or anything but I know a lot of people online and some of our own friends were surprised that it was Katy Perry over someone like Ariana Grande who one is a huge name in pop music right now you know everyone knows Ariana Grande and Ariana Grande actually has an Eevee tattoo like she's very vocal about Pokemon apparently so I know a lot of people were like, oh, it should have been Ariana Grande. And my personal opinion, I think she's probably too expensive. Like, regardless of if she's a Pokemon fan, you know, I'm sure it was a hefty penny to pay someone big like Katy Perry or Ariana Grande. And like Bruce mentioned, it's not just going to be Katy Perry. It's going to be some other musicians as well. The Pokemon article says it'll be featuring rising artists and award-winning superstars like pop icon Katy Perry. So I know some people were like, oh, maybe Ariana Grande will be down the line. But what I'm assuming is that Katy Perry is probably the biggest name, which is why they chose to lead the announcement with her name. But I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what this will be. Also, if it's going to be original music or covers of some classics. So it's curious. Very curious. <laughs> Yeah. Also, an update, according to Urban Dictionary, a stan, based on the central character <laughs> in the Eminem song of the same name, a stan is an overzealous, maniacal fan for any celebrity or athlete. <laughs> so there you go, Bruce. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was the Eminem song. I feel I proud am not, that. I am not a stan of Katy Perry, I will confirm, <laughs> based on that definition. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. So music is not the only announcement we've gotten in regards to Pokemon 25th anniversary. Uh, We also know now that we are getting jumbo Pokemon cards of all 24 starter Pokemon that are going to be released in special booster packs. Uh, These cards are going to be jumbo cards, so they're about three times the size of normal cards, and they're going to be the artwork of that Pokemon's original release. Uh, So we're seeing all of the original cards for the starters from each of their debut sets um, and they're all going to be marked with the 25th anniversary logo yeah this was a interesting announcement for a few reasons and uh, i have some also just kind of personal opinions but in terms of just kind of looking at the release uh it's cool that that they're going to have these packs of cards that are large and highlighting all all of the generations i think that's one thing that's kind of key with this 25th celebration is it seems like pokemon's really emphasizing all of the generations not just celebrating first generation which is obviously where it started but now there's this rich history and there's so much to uh celebrate i like that they're leveraging all of the generations for the celebration so i think that's going to be a theme we see through the rest of the year personally i'm a little upset that these are jumbo cards and Again, this might be uh, (laughs) controversial. I hope not, not too much. But I mean, I am just not a fan of jumbos. Most of them for me end up 
in the trash or going to someone. Like I do not keep them. I do not save them. And that might be a huge mistake, to be honest, because I know uh, when you look at some of the original, sort of the end of the Watsi era uh, of card releases, they were starting to put box toppers in some of the sets. And those box toppers, which are effectively jumbo cards, are extremely valuable now. And yeah. I could see that happening over time for anything Pokemon, right? Anything that's got Pokemon going on, it uh, tends to increase in value and have some collectability for some. But for me, it's just not a thing. And so I'm not sure if I'm personally super excited to collect these, but I, I am excited to see what they look like. And um, again, I do like that it's highlighting all the generations. Yeah, same here. I also agree. I wish they weren't jumbo cards. I think it would have been so much better if they were just the normal size. And I'm, I, I don't know why they decided to go the jumbo route. It's really kind of confusing for me. But even though I'm not that crazy about jumbo cards, like I still keep them just in case. I usually just throw them on the top of my binders and whatnot. And you know, I think it'll be really cool that they are re-releasing all of these original artworks and it won't be as hard to necessarily collect them because each generation is going to be getting their own first partner pack containing the three jumbo cards of the starter Pokemon from each region. So, you know, you don't have to necessarily be constantly buying these jumbo packs, which retail for about $10 in the U.S., so... You know, like, I, I'm, I'm going to get them. Let's be honest. I'm a cave and I'm going to buy them. Yeah, they they did say that they're going to have, like, a special binder. Did you say that just now? I'm so sorry if you if I oh, am repeating yeah. no, something. That, that's but a good thing. No, I, I did it not sounds like they're going to have a way to kind of collect these in, like, a very special yeah. binder that is custom made for jumbo-sized cards, um, which that could be an interesting product in and of itself to start keeping some of these other jumbo cards too, if they're the same size. But the other uh, thing that you just mentioned that made me think about why this is actually kind of cool is that the original artwork is really beautiful for all of these Pokemon, right? These are like, you know, rookie cards. I know that's kind of been a term that started to come up in the trading card game space, which is, you know, the first release of a Pokemon's of a Pokemon and its card that goes with it is sort of like its rookie card. If you look at sports collectibles or things like that. And so to really highlight the artwork of a card like that during a celebration, it makes sense to blow it up, right? You really then get to appreciate it more as art than anything else. And so I could see how this could be a really cool thing in that sense. And and you are getting some really classic artwork uh, on all of them. So that is an interesting point, but I still just wish it was a normal size card. (laughs) I just like collecting the, the smaller ones. Yeah, I, that was exactly the point I was going to make, that we are going to be able to get uh, jumbo versions of cards that have never been jumbo. It's it's very interesting that we are going to get our first jumbo base set cards. We're going to get jumbo Neo cards. Um, these are things that really haven't existed before. And if you really enjoy some of these classic cards, seeing them blown up in full size. I know whenever I open a collection box that has a promo and then the jumbo version of that same promo... I always grab the jumbo version to show off to people because, you know, you can really, you can see it well, you know, and if you're on Instagram or if you're on video, you know, a jumbo card, it's a lot easier to make out all the artwork and to notice a lot of like the little details that maybe you don't get if you're looking at the smaller normal size card. So that's a really, really good perspective. I'm glad you guys brought that up because that's actually making me more excited about this, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Also worth noting that these cards are not going to be released um, all at once. We are getting one a month running from March until October. We're starting with Galar in Gen 8, and every month we're going back in time 
and then in October they're releasing the Canto pack. Uh, so we're going reverse chronological, uh, sort of doing a countdown to Canto, Makes which sense. is yeah, like Pokemon Go. Yeah, like Pokemon Go, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. That's really cool. Yeah, so they're spacing it out. You're getting one gen a month as we're sort of counting down. Um, also, the Pikachu collector's binder is the only way that you're going to be able to get the Pikachu jumbo promo. Now, you know what I think could be really cool is if when you get that Pikachu binder, there's a small chance oh, of getting a Red a Cheeks red Pikachu. Oh, uh, that would be sick. How cool would that be That'd if be that crazy. was like a rare one in you know, 100 seating, seated uh, release, that'd be sick. But See, I like, that would be that. cool, <laughs> but just knowing how insane the market is right now for Pokemon cards, I, I, I don't want that to happen, because that's going to be worth, like, $30,000, like, something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it'd be yeah. really cool. It'd be crazy. I know. It, I think it's, a, it's also a neat way to count down, to spread out the anniversary across the whole year, Same. as opposed to just dropping one anniversary set. I, I think this is definitely a smart approach, and I'm interested to see, you know, because this is obviously just one line of products, be interested to see what else the 25th anniversary has in store for us. Um, but we actually have some solid information now. Uh, we have something to expect. We have something to start on. So I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. And like you said, it'll be much easier for our wallets with this staggered kind of release. And it gives you something to look forward to every month, and it feels like you're celebrating this huge milestone in Pokemon's history throughout 2021, like not just in February, which is when the actual anniversary date is, but now it's spread out throughout the course of the year. So I'm, I'm really excited. I also like how they're celebrating. We're celebrating 25 years of Pokemon. We're not celebrating. It's 25 years since Kanto came out. Yeah. They really want to, you know, give every generation it's time to shine. They really want to pay homage to all of them. So I appreciate that. For sure. Certainly. So these Jumbo promos are not the only uh, special cards that we can pick up during the 25th anniversary. Um, General Mills Cereals uh, will actually have 25th anniversary promos um, in participating cereal boxes. Uh, we expect those to come out sometime in February. And from the promos we can see, uh, we've got Pikachu, we've got Hatterini, Glossiflor, and Wooloo. So uh, those who collect... Uh, special promos might be eating a lot of cereal this year. <laughs> yeah. And actually, uh, yet another shout out to Legendary Collectors. He actually already found one of these General Mills promo cards in one of his cereal boxes. Yeah, it was like our first little sneak peek at it. Yeah, you might be able to go out and get some cereal. And if you're lucky, maybe it'll already be accidentally thrown in there. Again, it's it's kind of referencing some of our previous episodes and wondering like you know was this an accident or did they intentionally leak this promo in, in some cereal boxes like they did with the chimchar for the mcdonald's yeah. promo which of course we're also going to be getting at some point this year so lots of questions about that i don't want to go down a, that rabbit hole all the way <laughs> again this week because <laughs> yeah, i feel like yeah. we've covered it many times but this does keep happening right we keep seeing some uh unintended releases and inadvertent releases. And this one's interesting. So I actually talked to Legendary Collector while uh, I was uh, streaming 
this past week on Twitch, he, he popped in after revealing the card and shared his story a little bit. And it sounds like he just found it at a local card shop. So he went into a card shop and they already had um, a oh. bunch of the packs that are going to be released in the, the serials. So how they obtained it, I do not know. But they did seem to have quite a, a large amount and he was able to pick up a few of the packs. And it sounds like that Pikachu promo is going to be in every pack. So you get oh. one of those Pikachus and then some additional cards as well. Um, so it should be a pretty interesting release. But I, I'm actually really glad, yeah, because I, I really like the Pikachu. Totally. Yeah, the P- Pikachu's cool. And I, I, I just think the, the amount of leaks coming out of Pokemon, and, and not just like leaked information, these are leaked products. It's just so bizarre. So I, I'm hoping we eventually get someone who digs into this and can give us some information about why this consistently continues to happen. But for me at this point, it's starting to become a little bit inexcusable. And if it's not intentional, it needs to be figured out because <laughs> it's just not, it's, it's, it's weird. It's too, too, too often, too frequent, too much stuff going on there, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole today. Let's see if someone eventually can, can get to the bottom of it and, and get some more information for us on why this keeps happening. Yeah. It's just very unlike Pokemon, very unlike Nintendo as well. Yeah, that's very interesting. And that's some good insight to know that I, I just assumed that he found it in his cereal one morning, but no, he actually was able to pick them up from an actual card shop. So yeah, I don't know how they got it unless they're sending it to local card shops like pre-release and thank you cards. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good call, right? I mean, again, this is supposed to be a special release in cereal so that doesn't completely line up for this story, but I mean, maybe some of this is like, hey, we're releasing this as promotional material and there's a street date and people are just blowing the street date. But, you know, that used to happen in video games a lot where you yeah. saw like video games out on the wi- out in the wild the week before because they happened to get the inventory and didn't, you know, adhere to the street date of when Walmart you're allowed to start selling this. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely ways that this could happen where it's not like nefarious, but like more of a, just a mistake but i i mean again the frequency and the limited amount it's not like this happened at 30 stores around the country and we saw a bunch of these popping up it's happening like super specifically in you know one or two examples i don't know again there's too much to, to unpack here today because we have so much news but it's just super weird yeah maybe we can get someone on the show who has uh some insights on that yeah, because, you know, there's no release date for when these serial promos are, are releasing, so we really don't have a lot of details right now other than the fact that they exist and you know, be on the lookout for them. Yeah, if you have any uh, opinions or interesting perspectives um, about what Pokemon's been doing lately, feel free to email us at podcastmonstershows at gmail.com. Is that right? Podcast Podcastmonstershow at gmail.com. Show. Yeah, I tried to say show, but I just slipped into the S there. So uh, what do I say? At podcastmonstersshow at gmail.com or at podcastmonsters on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So our last announcement regarding the Pokemon's 25th anniversary is something that's a bit of a hot commodity. We have a 25th anniversary themed Pikachu Bear Walker skateboard. Uh, which is going to be coming to the Pokemon Center. Um, This is a limited edition product, Bear Walker, notoriously hard to get your hands on, Um, but it looks like we're going to be able to grab pre-orders for this. Any thoughts? 
I think... I have a couple of thoughts. Yeah, this skateboard looks absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. I remember when the first line of Bear Walker skateboards dropped at the Pokemon Center uh, about a year ago, actually. I think it was February 2020. I wanted one so badly because they are just exquisite pieces of art. Like, obviously, they're skateboards, so, you know, you could ride it, but I feel like most people buying these skateboards are using them for collection display pieces because they're just so gorgeous and they did drop a second line of limited edition bear walker skateboards i think sometime like late summer early fall of last year and they sold out like immediately the the first line sold out in like a few hours i believe and then more people started to learn about them and then the second line just sold out immediately so i think it's a really smart move that they're doing pre-orders this time around although again i'm expecting that to sell out really really quickly but i uh i i really want it the pikachu is super cute for this special 25th anniversary themed skateboard and Oh, it's it's really tempting, but my wallet is is telling me to maybe not. But I keep every time they they drop a new skateboard, I always regret not picking it up because they sell out so quickly and go for you know so much online. But ah, uh, it's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's it's very steep, but that you're right, it is a beautiful board. Yeah, the art is awesome on it. Actually, I really like the Pikachu design that they yeah, chose. Same. I wonder if this is going to be a trend this year where everything that gets released is like kind of packaged or bundled into we're celebrating 25 years of Pokemon. Mm. I'm assuming they will because they're marketing masters. But like we did get a bunch of these last year, not part of any sort of celebration. So I'm not sure why this particular release is being bundled in with it other than the fact that it's coming out this year, which is the 25th anniversary year. So that's just one thing. I don't think it's going to be specially branded in any way to celebrate 25 years, but if it was, that'd be even cooler in my opinion. I'm just not sure if that's part of the deal here. Yeah, no, I was wondering the same exact thing because right now we don't have a lot of information other than just a few teaser photos of only the front of the board where you can see the Pikachu and that you can start pre-ordering January 19th. So that's all the information we have. We don't even have a price other than the, the previous Bear Walker skateboards, I believe, are $250. So it'll probably be somewhere around there. But yeah, I don't know if there's any 25th anniversary branding. The extent to which it's a 25th anniversary board is it has a Pikachu on it. Yeah. But I think I, I think Bruce was definitely hit the nail on the head that any, any new products that they had planned for this year, uh, I think they're sort of rolling it into the 25th anniversary celebration. Yeah, the other point I was going to make, and this is going to be an interesting one, is uh, obviously after this podcast is released, uh, these pre-orders should be already over. So unfortunately, we can't get you this news early enough in advance to (laughs) prepare you or warn you. So hopefully you all know if you're interested in this, that you're going after it in advance. But what I was going to say is I think this is like the first big real test of the Pokemon Center's ordering system, pre-ordering system since the special delivery Pikachu and the holiday fiascos. So I'm very curious to see how smooth or not that this goes. Um, I do think it's going to be insane in terms of demand. I don't even know if pre-ordering necessarily means it's going to be any less limited. It's not like they're going to take pre-orders and say, okay, Bear Walker, make up thousands of these, right? The whole point of the reason why Bear Walkers are special is because they are like handcrafted and extremely unique and usually in very limited quantities, like 200 or less, I believe. So again, this is going to be a really, really, really big test for um, the Pokemon Center and seeing if they've made any adjustments or advancements in terms of 
pre-ordering and their online checkout experience. So I'm excited to see how this goes. And obviously we'll get another test with special delivery Charizard at some point in the future this year. So yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I definitely, I hope that this goes smoother for those folks who really do want to grab one. Yeah, same here. I'm really curious if the system is going to be kind of allocating a set number for pre-order only, and then the rest will be available to just buy, you know, whoever gets them first at a later date. I, I really don't know how they're planning to do it. So lots of questions up in the air for sure. Yeah, it seems it seems like this with all things, even with the pre-order, you really want to keep your finger on the trigger for whenever this drops. So that's just Pokemon. Good luck, everyone. Right now. Yeah, yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just 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 pandemic things. This uh, Pokemon panic that we're going through. Pretty much. Oh, well, ooh, what was that? I just felt I just felt a shudder. Could it be a long-awaited Pokemon game? An old <laughs> friend from 1999? I think it is. That shudder was actually Pokemon Snap. Uh, a new Pokemon Snap. The new Pokemon. Oh, yeah, sorry. New Pokemon Snap. Like oh. the new DS. <laughs> yeah. The new Pokemon Snap um, has finally gotten its release date. It's coming out on April 30th. There is also a release trailer that's out now, and this is a really interesting one. I know a lot of people were not expecting when Pokemon Snap was announced, they were not expecting this to be remade. A lot of people are still waiting for their Gen 4 remakes, but a lot of people are actually really excited about this, and I think Shinja is one of them, isn't she? Listen, <laughs> Pokemon Snap is iconic. I adore Pokemon Snap. What if I, like best steel purchases that I've ever done and also like biggest regrets is back in like 2011 or so I bought a sealed copy of Pokemon Snap for the Nintendo 64 on eBay for $30 which is nuts but my dumb naive self opened it because I wanted to experience the nostalgia of opening a Nintendo 64 game and I regret that dearly to this day I should have just kept it sealed but I clearly really enjoy Pokemon Snap I will vividly Dang. remember when the Pokemon Direct announced this new Pokemon Snap sequel and just hearing the music I was like no no, they're not doing Pokemon Snap. No, like, I, I never thought they were going to be doing another Pokemon Snap game because, you know, it is kind of one of those cult following Pokemon games. Like, you either love it or you hate it, but the people that do love it, you know, have very fond, nostalgic memories with it. And I really don't know how well it did financially, so I never... I never would have guessed that they would make a sequel, but here we are, 2021, anything's possible, and I'm really excited. Shinji, I really feel like you needed to put a disclaimer before you told that story because a lot of people, wherever they are in the world hearing that, are going to be like crying listening to you tell that story about I breaking know. the seal I on know. that game. I know. If a sealed copy for that, I mean, that is going to be, uh, that's rough. That's, that, I'm a that terrible really hurt. sealed collector. I can't. That really I can't. hurt. I know. I was like in we eighth need grade. A, we okay. need a trigger warning. Yeah. Totally. I, I need to go through my eBay history and like find the screenshot to prove that I bought it for that that little because it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I don't even know what the current probably price of that, but it's got to be way more than that. That's and a good and sealed yeah. sealed games are becoming more and more popular uh, as a collectible item. But yeah. so love it or hate it, what do you think, Bruce? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm on the other side of this coin a little bit <laughs> as I usually am with things. 
I did not play the original Pokemon Snap. I only know of it from, uh, you know, afar, basically kind of an outsider looking in on all of the fans who who got to experience this game. I didn't own an N64. I was a Game Boy only person, so I played all the Pokemon games that way, but I didn't ever get into um, the N64 stuff, which was, it was also like Pokemon Stadium came out on N64. Is that right? And there were some other yeah, uh, releases there. Hey, you Yeah, Pikachu. I didn't get to play any of those. <laughs> Hey, you Pikachu. Yep. But back in the day, it was really cool because it was 3D, right? It was like literally bringing Pokemon to life for the first time in a way that we would never seen them. Um, And so I think that was the uniqueness of Pokemon Snap. And that's the exciting part of it. Today, the main game is on Switch. It's beautiful. Like the Pokemon already look like that. So I, I mean, when I looked at this trailer, I was like, dang, like, if this is the best this is going to look and it's a photo game and like, I don't know, like the world is just so different than when Pokemon Snap came out originally. And it doesn't feel like this is a big enough leap from the original game to get like someone like me excited who maybe, again, outside looking in was like, oh, I wish I could have, but I don't have any like necessarily nostalgia for the game specifically. Obviously, I have a ton for Pokemon, but... It's just, it's weird that it doesn't do more. And I, I'm, I'm, we are, you know, basing this on a minute and a half trailer. So there's a lot more information to come and see what things they've done to make it improve it. But, I, you know, if they're going to keep it kind of as just an updated version of the original, I don't know. It does not really hit for me. This one's a weird one. No, I think that makes sense, especially kind of going back to what I was saying about there's a lot of people who love it or hate it purely just based on nostalgia and if you did not play the original pokemon snap i could see why this new one would not be as appealing to you also i will say even though i'm obviously very excited for it why is it just called new pokemon snap that is a terrible terrible name like come on nintendo you could do so nintendo's much gonna nintendo come yeah. on you know that at this uh, point. <laughs> come on new pokemon snap are you kidding me are you kidding me yeah but i mean even just there's some small things like i wasn't sure if this was just a remake or a sequel but it is looking like they're adding a lot of new mechanics and obviously new pokemon to it and it's even just small stuff like the fact that you can be a female protagonist is exciting because with the original pokemon snap you only were this little boy who now is i think the professor in this game all grown up which is another small little exciting detail that you know makes me happy yeah yeah i don't know the the graphics are really what i keep coming back to i just think like it's gonna be a photo game so the lighting and the graphics and the fidelity just need to be like Mm. off the charts to make this enticing for me because you're gonna be making these photos that you're going to be probably looking at and capturing, you know, you know, throughout the entire game. And in today's world with social media, I could see there being a ton of great applications if the photos looked great. Right. But if they're going to look the way they look in that trailer, I don't know, there was just not enough there. And and I'm sure a lot of this is limitations of the switch, Mm -hmm. which is also just super upsetting, right? Like the fact that we have PlayStation five and Xbox series X and, you know, all the amazing NVIDIA, RTX, 3080s, 90s, all those these crazy, amazing graphics power these days, right? And we can do incredible photorealistic things. And Pokemon Snap looks like this. And, and look, don't get me wrong, the art style is fantastic. But to not really update that more and, and push the Switch maybe a little bit harder, or this is another case for a Switch Pro, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like there's something there that could get me in. I want to want it but I just, it's something's holding me back when I look at this. From the perspective of someone who never played Pokemon Snap, but who is actually looking forward to playing this game, what it seems like to me, something that would be redeeming, was it seems like a very nice atmospheric game. 
And, and that's something that the main Pokemon games, you know, there's always something you have to do. You know, there's battles, you have to fill the Pokedex. With Pokemon Snap, it, it feels... I don't know. I, it feels more like Brock. Like, you're very harmonious. You don't have to catch every Pokemon. You don't have to battle Pokemon. You just have to love them. <laughs> and, and Pokemon Snap seems like it's going to be, like, relaxing. It's going to be one of my favorite franchises. So I, I think for that reason, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not as hung up on the fact it's the gameplay. Uh, I remember <laughs> we were watching the trailers together and 30 seconds in, Bruce said, oh, man, I'm already bored. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, though. There is a yeah. huge demand for, for games like that. It's a really good point, actually. Uh, I think the best-selling game this year for Switch was Animal Crossing. Yeah, and yeah. obviously with uh, the pandemic being what it was, I think that helped and aided Animal Crossing in becoming the, the phenom oh, that, it, that it is. Plus Switch and Switch Lite are killing it, right? So And, and people are clamoring for games to play on their Switch. So um, there was a lot of things that led to success there. So I think Snap's going to be super successful. And if it gives those same types of vibes of just a place to go and chill, I mean, obviously there is a huge fan base for games like that who just want that experience. So I think it's a really good point, And it, it probably does hit that, that niche, that segment of the audience pretty well. Yeah, I think that's a really perfect way of describing it. It's just very atmospheric and therapeutic, just like Animal Crossing. And, you know, there's definitely a market for those types of games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, aside from the fact that it's a much more simple, just kind of play as you please type of game, there are some really fun little Easter egg aspects that you can be on the lookout for. And I think that brings some replayability, surprisingly, to this type of game. Like I know with the original Pokemon Snap, you could easily just sit down and, you know, cruise through and play it in one sitting. But there are little Easter eggs like finding secret trails or like secret Pokemon hidden around, you know? So it's the it's that kind of stuff that I'm hoping they incorporate with this new game as well. That I think if they're able to do that, it'll make a lot of old and new players really enjoy it even if you've never played the original pokemon snap or if you have played the original pokemon snap hopefully it brings something to the table for both of those players or for people like bruise you know you, you can just skip it there you go save 60 bucks <laughs> there was there was something really cool i noticed in the trailer you can interact with the pokemon by like throwing them an apple yes um, and then watching them eat it in the trailer the player throws an apple to a torchic and the torchic actually uses ember and burns the apple uh, before eating it, which was something out of the Pokedex entry that if you're in a forest, you can find burned berries where Torchic are because they'll burn food before they eat them just to make sure they're That's safe adorable. to eat. And I thought that was, oh, was so cute. I wonder, you know, is there going to be a lot of unique Pokemon behavior based on the Pokedex entries or based on like the in-universe lore? I think that'd be interesting. That's a really, really great observation. I'm so glad you brought that up. And that is also akin to the original Pokemon Snap. Like you could throw berries and kind of interact with the Pokemon before you take photos like that. And <laughs> I feel like now that we have a Pokemon that's literally based on an apple, seeing a Torchic bird and then eat an apple is just kind of scary. <laughs> now as a thought, I'm like, oh no, with that poor applet or... <laughs> Yeah, poor Applin, but I think Applin would be fine because as a grass and dragon type, it's not weak to fire. It's actually <laughs> yeah, neutral. So, uh... Very true. Good point. And we did get a couple of other details. And so it's interesting. And I don't know if this was true of the first Pokemon Snap, but was the the region also unique in that one? So we, this is a new region. It's called Lentil. Yes. Oh, I'm, that's a really good thing you brought up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Pokemon Snap also had a special region, but I don't think it's the same one. Let me double check yeah. that, though. I, actually I am curious about that. Wait, it's called Lentil? 
Yeah, that's the name of the region. Like, like the food? Lentil, A-L. I think it's spelled slightly different. Oh, but, lentil. Um, lentil. Yeah, that yeah, just, there you go. This just makes me hungry. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, and so, and we also got our first details about the professor that will be aiding you in your journey, Professor Mirror. Uh, so, you know, we're getting some, some small details here. I don't know. I'm curious. I, I def, I'm, my, my, my interest is peaked. I just, you know, I guess I, I don't know if there are, if there are added layers of depth, um, which I'm sure there has to be, uh, I'm, I'm curious, but we'll see what it, what it looks like when it finally comes out. Oh, it's also interesting that if we are actually traveling to a new region, um, I wonder if they would have a new regional Pokemon in the game, you know, mm. that'd be an interesting That'd be an interesting way to, you know, entice people to play that, you know, you play this game and maybe you can encounter a brand new Pokemon to the Lentil region. Yeah, I I really have no idea now. That's a really good point. So in the original Pokemon Snap, it's just you're summoned to Pokemon Island. So I guess that's what it's called. That's all it says on Wikipedia. I don't know if that's the official name or if it's, if it's supposed to be another type of region or something, but... Yeah, I don't know. That that sounds right because all I remembered was that it was an island. I guess now with new Pokemon Snap, it's a it's actually a a new region, which is really interesting. Yeah, it seems like there's also a lot of different biomes, uh, which is something I'm looking forward to, both in like an atmospheric game, but also like you know if I'm finding Pokemon in the wild, I would like to see them in like the biomes they're supposed to be in. Yeah, you know it sort of helps with the immersion, so I'm excited about that. Interested to see how actually big the Lentil region is in-game. Yeah, that that actually just makes me even more excited to see what that new region is going to look like and be like, oh man, April 30th, let's go, let's go, baby. <laughs> One other thing I just realized is um, this game is being developed by Bandai Namco. The original was also developed by a third party. It was actually two, a co-developed by HAL Laboratories and PAX yeah, Softnica. So I guess typically... Nintendo and Pokemon Company work with third parties on on these games, but uh, curious to see how this turns out being under a new development team. Oh, I miss I miss Hal, good old Hal Labs. Yeah, well, that is Pokemon Snap. Uh, as Shinja said, it comes out on April thirtieth, and uh, I guess we have a lot of questions. Um, I guess we just have to wait and see. You think there's going to be a one of those? <laughs> things in a blockbuster that print out oh my gosh yes (laughs) oh my god pokemon snap machines that's another thing i have i don't know where it is now because i've moved so many times but i bought a box of the blockbuster pokemon snap cards like when you when you wanted to go to those machines you had to get like a special card every time and they had different pokemon those cards so it was like uh, Squirtle, Jigglypuff, I'm pretty sure there was a Pikachu, Charmander, and a Bulbasaur. And I had a whole box of brand new unused Blockbuster Pokemon Snap cards. I, I don't even know how much those go for now. Probably not. They're probably not worth that much, really. But as you can see, I was deep into the Pokemon Snap lore. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so that's just another element. I guess we'll see if there's any oh, fun fun things that come of this yeah. in the in the future. I'm so I, I do. Th- I do though. think the world... The world is so different now, and you can share things digitally so much better. But there is something about you know a physically printed photo or sticker or whatever. So it might be cool to have some way of doing that, even if it's not you know a specific branded machine that you have to go to <laughs> to oh do gosh, it. Oh my gosh, that'd be dope! Oh my gosh, I would love that. Can you imagine you take your Switch to a Pokemon Snap machine and it three D prints the Pokemon you captured? Oh my. 
God. You've gone too far. Someone call up GameStop <laughs> right now. You just broke Shinja. I, I literally, yeah. I, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. At the, ah, you guys are getting me so hyped up for something that's probably not keeping happen, so I'm upset now. Yeah, like if it doesn't, if it doesn't come, to, I, I don't, I don't know if they would, but we might just have to buy a 3D printer and make it happen. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I got, like, goosebumps thinking about it. That's weird. I don't know. <laughs> got, like, so excited. I'm, like, getting all jazzed up. Those swana bumps, yeah. Swana bumps. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, obviously, uh, Shinj is excited for Pokemon Snap. I am, too. Oh, no. And there's a lot we still don't know about the game. So looking forward to the release. Uh, again, that was on April 30th. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Speaking of Pokemon Snap cards, we have news regarding the Pokemon trading cards. Hmm. Our first story is that the prototype Blastoise that we covered a few episodes ago um, has actually sold at auction, and it sold for a whopping $360,000. This was the Blastoise prototype holo card that CGC graded. It received a grade of 8.5, and wow, I guess we were asking questions about, you know, how much would something like this worth be worth? You know, are they going to sell it? Um, and now we know it was sold by Heritage Auctions. And what do you guys think of this? I think it's it's insane. I actually was watching the end of this auction live as it was happening, and, and the guy was getting super hyped up about it. He was like, come on, like, like let's get to $300,000, $300,000. And then someone bid $300,000, and it sold at that. But because of fees and tax and all that, it was actually 360000 which is just nuts. I mean, you know, I kind of had a feeling that this would end up being one of the most rare valuable and expensive cards in the history of of pokemon and i think this definitely proves that um i know there there have been other cards probably selling for for more than that still like i can't remember what the most recent first edition psa 10 charizard has sold for but i think it was somewhere in the 300k ballpark or maybe just a little bit shy yeah. of 300k no i think it was actually it, it was at or above actually i think something like that it, it just keeps rising so you know the fact that this is the very first time this blastoise prototype card has been sold and it's already at that three hundred thousand dollar benchmark is insanely impressive so it'll be interesting to see how how much this increases in value and if the other prototype blastoises end up getting sold as well yeah, this one was the one that has the white background. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was, there was, it was only a holo. Yeah. 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 So I, I actually think the cooler one is the one with the, with the, Magic, the Magic the Gathering, Gathering back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess everyone has their own preference and whatnot. But this was the only hollow one. So that makes sense that it was the first kind of test print of a what a Pokemon, you know, hollow foil graphic will look like. So crazy times, crazy, crazy yeah. times. I think this one's clearly just, this is not an actual released card. So it's not part of any sort of set collection. It's literally just this cool piece of Pokemon history. Exactly. And that's what these cards are becoming. A lot of these cards are just very much pieces of art and collectible because of the fact that they're part of the, the history. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Just, just incentive in the future. If you ever make anything, keep the prototype. You never know. <laughs> It's a good point. There's, I mean, similarly, there's probably a ton of like collectible Apple products, right? Like original iPhone designs and prototypes. I mean, we just, we did see something like this in the technology world recently with the Nintendo PlayStation. Have you guys heard of that? There was, originally the PlayStation was not being made by Sony. It was actually in partnership with Nintendo, I believe. And um, 
there was like one prototype made of that version of the console before the whatever the agreement was or business deal broke down and then Sony decided to make make it on their own and that sold for a huge amount of money I don't know the actual figures or numbers but so yeah any of these like weird kind of one-off prototypes things of the past that things that never were all that kind of stuff it it, it tends to have some value over time if you know what comes out after ends up being successful and you know a big part of our culture the funny enough the Nintendo PlayStation sold for three hundred sixty thousand dollars are you serious there you go I'm not I'm not joking (laughs) That's, okay, well, uh, if you guys want something CNN, even crazier, yeah. apparently at this Heritage auction, there was something that sold for even more than $360,000. There was another first edition sealed base set booster box, which sold for $408,000. So, oh my gosh. We're living in crazy times, no we doubt are. about it. We yeah. are. I, You know, it'd be interesting to see by the end of 2021, are we going to see... A million dollar card it's it's got to be on the horizon i can feel it i can feel it i i don't think we'll quite get there but it's there, there was recently a sports card that sold for way way over a million i don't That's know right. how many million <laughs> i wish i had more more data for you all but it was a mickey mantle which is like you know one of the oh yeah you know rarest most sought after sports collectibles. So, you know, that that side of things already has hit and exceeded that. I think it probably was the most expensive card sold if you just want to kind of bundle yeah, all of like this into just card, car, card mm-hmm. collectible space. And so, yeah, I could totally see Pokemon in the future hitting that. Obviously, that's much more time has passed in terms of sports cards and collectibles. So, you know, it, it, this stuff does take time to rise. And you want to hope that you're not seeing these huge spikes in any market. Like when you see huge hyper growth and huge spikes in in cost, a lot of time that's not necessarily actuality for the market and the market will kind of come back it'll retrace and you'll start to see prices come back the other way there are some items that are unaffected by retrace just because they are that rare and valuable but generally speaking the entire market does sort of move when something like you know a rare charizard sells or this blastoise as an example you're going to see other things spike as well and they may come back because they're just not that rare not that valuable but the market is sort of just ebbing and flowing so it'll be something really to look out for but sounds like also you should put three hundred and sixty thousand dollars away for the next time a rare item goes up because yeah. it might be the exact cost of it <laughs> that is the benchmark that is the benchmark yeah it definitely seems like we're in somewhat of a pokemon boom right now we've been in a boom 100 percent. i don't know if it's a bubble either i mean we're we're just seeing amazing growth i I, it's hard to say what it is really right yeah yeah only the future will tell well if you can't get your hands on a prototype blastoise card what you probably can get your hands on are some of the new single strike and rapid strike cards uh we just recently got the full card list for single rapid strike and that will be battle styles here in english most interesting is we have new full art alternative arts uh, for two cards, Empoleon and Tyranitar, and I have to say they are amazing. Oh my gosh, I am I'm in love with these cards. I absolutely adore them. First of all, Empoleon is my starter of choice from Gen 4. Y'all already know how I feel about Gen 4, so I just love this card. But I think actually the Tyranitar is the winner for me. You've got this adorable almost Snorlax-like Tyranitar just snoozing with a bunch of empty plates of food. And these cards, these these cards are so adorable and really, really gorgeous. I can't wait to see how they look in person with 
the full art texture and all that. These are the cards uh, that Dunks, you kind of were alluding to last week, right? You said, you know, there was there was this sentence in the article we read last week about Pokemon in their environment, right? Yeah. And I think this is kind of what it was exactly. alluding to. That's what I was thinking too, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know, it's it's prophetic. I, you know, what can I say? <laughs> okay, relax. Bring it down a notch. <laughs> you nailed it again. You nailed it again. <laughs> well, no, definitely, because we've, we've talked quite a bit about full arts, but also about alternate arts yeah. um, and how much we love alternate arts. And it's some of the best things that Pokemon has ever done with the trading cards. And that was really something that I've been on the lookout for. And and this is this is exactly what, I've been hoping for like you know these are my prayers have been answered in terms of having some awesome new full arts um, and something that we really just to get to enjoy the artwork we get to enjoy the world of Pokemon and I'm definitely I'm gonna have to get these two cards I hope I hope we get them in English very soon but if not I'm gonna have to find a way to get the Japanese ones in the time being same I I have to get my hands on these cards because they are they are too gorgeous for me not to hold in my own physical hands. I, I need them in my life. I'm these are like easily my new chase cards for this set. Like we talked before about those really cool all arts of the V Max Urshifu, but nah. This is where it's at for me. I love the artwork so much on these cards. Also interesting, just to kind of bring back some of our past episodes and some of the conversations we've been having is these work with the new branding, right? Like I think the little labels, the uh, stamp logos, whatever, but I mean, I think they really work in terms of this art. They don't distract or detract from the aesthetic, the overall look of the cards. Um, and I think it, it actually adds quite a little bit, uh, quite a bit to it. I think it looks really, really good in addition to how good the art actually is. Is it the same artist who did both? No, it is two different artists as well. Um, so you're getting a little bit of variation in terms of uh, the two different looks of these cards. I mean, they are, they're stunners. They are absolute stunners. They are secret rares. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if we get them in English. That's always a risk that is run. Uh, when these cards come out, we could also get them as promos potentially in English, which would definitely decrease the value of these, which we've seen in the past. Yeah. But without a doubt, if you are just excited for the artwork, you're gonna you're gonna be um, very very I think happy about this. I think every Pokemon collector is going crazy over these cards. Beautiful, for beautiful sure. done for sure. Well, if you if you'd like to pull them yourselves, um, you're gonna have to be picking up both. Uh, single strike and rapid strike because the Empoleon alternate art is going to be available in rapid strike and the Tyranitar is going to be in single strike. So yeah, if you, uh, Shinja, I know you like to pull the cards yourself. Uh, it might be tough to pull both secret rares, but um... uh, yeah, <laughs> I probably will just cave and buy the singles if I can find them online. I, I, I just need them. I'd say it's worth it. And one else, one other thing to note is we talked about how the entire set list was uh, released today, so you can check those out, or uh, this week, I should say. But next week is when we are going to be getting the rest of the secret rares. We only know of these two so far, so I'm very excited to see what other secret rares are released. Are we going to have rainbows in the set? That was a question we were curious about. I'm sure we will, but um, we will know more next week. So tune back in next week's episode. Yeah, I think actually these Japanese sets drop this week i think they actually might be dropping tomorrow as the time of recording this so if you guys want to you know find out yourself you might be able to just head online to pokey beach or wherever pokemon source you'd like to find all right and so pokemon cards are not the only way we're counting down to kanto in pokemon do the countdown to pokemon go tour kanto continues this week we are now moving into the hoenn region 
um, we are going to be seeing Pokemon originally discovered in the Hoenn region spawning and appearing in raids and eggs. Uh, we're also going to this, see the return of Kyogre and Groudon to five-star raids um, with those shiny chances, so save your raid passes for this week. Also this week, uh, it continues the event-exclusive timed research, uh, so we have been having collection research tasks that run only the duration of the event so make sure you catch all the pokemon you need to uh, to get that medal and something very interesting evolving a metang to a metagross this week um, will allow you to pick up the move meteor mash which is previously only available through community days or elite tms so this is really interesting we're going to see for the first time an exclusive move being opened back up since community day i know this past december a lot of us were disappointed to see that Pokemon that got community days in 2018 were not able to pick up those exclusive moves during the throwback community day. Um, so this is going to probably be a glimpse into how we're going to see the return of these moves in the future. And it actually has me really excited for this week. Yeah, I'm super stoked about that because I have a bunch of really high IV Beldum that I've been saving to evolve into Metagross. And I actually have my first shiny shadow Pokemon I ever caught was a shiny shadow Beldum. So I, this is like the perfect opportunity for someone like me who was not able to evolve too many Beldum during the 2019 December community day. So I'm really excited about that. Another cool thing about this specific region celebration event is the fact that completing all the time research tasks will give you the chance to encounter a Rayquaza, which knows the exclusive charged move Hurricane. So that's kind of new spicy element they're bringing to this region's celebration. And I guess maybe they're doing that instead of releasing a Hoenn shiny because there's no new shiny release this week. Yeah, it's just all the shiny. The... Yeah, the shiny this week they're trying to uh, showcase is shiny Aeron, which is something that we've had in the game for quite a long time. But I need it, um, so you know I'll take it if I can get it. But it's <laughs> probably less yeah. exciting for older players who who want to see an actual new shiny release. So I guess instead they're like, well, here take a Rayquaza, and you only get that one encounter with this special exclusive move. So hopefully you get the shiny. Also, uh, Aeron at some point, Agron will be getting its mega. So you know maybe getting a good IV shiny Aeron wouldn't be the worst thing to pick up from this event, even if you have one already. Very true. Very true. So this event uh, will be starting on January 19th at 10 a.m. local time and will run to Sunday, January 24th at 8 p.m. local time. So get on those research tasks, get that Rayquaza, and let us know if you get the shiny. I'll definitely be getting the shiny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know it, Bruce. I have faith in it. you, Bruce. I have faith <laughs> in you. If you have the game open long enough to catch all the Pokemon you need, you should definitely get the shiny. I believe in you. All right, um, so we also have news about the February Community Day. Drumroll, it's Rosalia. Uh, so uh, Sunday, February 7th, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. local time, uh, Rosalia will be spawning in the wild. Uh, there'll be a shiny chance, and evolving Rosalia during the event will give you two uh, special Community Day moves, actually. Um, you'll get both the Charge Attack Weather Ball, Fire Type, and you'll get the fast attack bullet seed. Shinja, thoughts on Rosalia? <sighs> Yet again, we have a Pokemon that already has had a shiny release. And the real kicker for just me personally is the fact that literally two of my very few lucky friend trades 
have been a shiny Machamp and a shiny Roserade. Like, it's such a slap in the face. Are you kidding me? But, I mean, aside from the personal sting in the wound that has already been cut and ripped open on my body, I think a lot of people are pretty disappointed and surprised by a Rosalia Community Day. You know, at least Machop, despite the fact that it already had a shiny, Machamp is a very meta-relevant Pokemon. That special payback move is really good for Ultra League, so there was a lot of incentive on top of the fact that you could get three times Catch Stardust and hoard all of that XL candy. So, you know, January Community Day, it, it made sense. Rosalia does not make sense. I, you know, I think it's cool that we're going to get two special moves this time. That's that's a first to my knowledge, so mm-hmm. that's kind of neat. Uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, no, not that, not that thrilled about it. You know, what's funny is I actually have one of those shiny Rosalias from when they wow. did that original release. July 1st, 2018. That's I uh, I always thought it was a really cool shiny in general. I love the black rose personally, oh, it is. but Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I could see uh, based on all of the points you just made, this is not a great community day release when there's so many Pokemon to choose from that need shiny. I'm sure. So exactly. interesting one for sure. I think you really sure. hit the nail on the head with that, Bruce. The fact that there are so many other Pokemon that we need shinies for, or Pokemon that are really meta relevant that we could use that opportunity for a community day to get more better IV or specific IV. Pokemon. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are like, hey, give us Gibble Community Day, give us Kranidos, Axew, something really good like that. And I know there are some rumors that maybe we're getting some mediocre Community Days because of the pandemic. But at the same time, if they're doing something like a North Face Gucci collaboration where at first they wanted you to go out and find the Gucci Pokestop and whatnot, then I don't know. I, I don't know. You tell him, Shinja. You tell him. <laughs> I just don't know. Well, maybe the fact that you lucky traded for Shiny Machamp and Shiny Roserade and then we got Community Days, you did lucky trade a Shiny Gibble, didn't you? I did. So there's, I hope. Did. there's hope. There's hope. Next Community Day is Gibble confirmed. <laughs> there we go. There we go, folks. Just become lucky friends with me and we'll make the next Community Day happen to whatever you want it to be. <laughs> is having a million Stardust good or bad? good very that's, good that's pretty good yeah just pretty good okay cool. <laughs> just, just checking i think for me the like threshold is i want at least a million stardust i'm at almost four million now i'm at like 3.8 or 3.9 million good lord so i i never want to go below a million that's like my new threshold yeah I, i've been spending a lot matching stuff out recently um and preparing for level 50 um, but i just passed 4.3 million i think for last community day so but yeah, Stardust is a very hot commodity. You know, you want that for... Your- yeah, you got to make sure you spend it. You got to spend it smart. So Rosella Community Day might have a lot of people playing from home. And that was the advice that one UK resident should have heeded. A player uh, in Bedsworth in the United Kingdom was fined 200 pounds for contravening the requirement to not leave or be outside the place they live without a reasonable excuse. Apparently... Catching Pokemon during Community Day is not a reasonable excuse to break quarantine. <laughs> yeah, I think this is, it's its pretty funny. Like, you know, on a serious note, definitely stay home if you can. Avoid crowded areas and try to social distance because we are in the midst of a global pandemic and it's only getting worse. I don't know how bad it is necessarily over in the UK, 
but I guess the, the rules there are pretty strict because this player traveled 14 miles to play Pokemon Go, and I guess that was enough for them to fine him 200 pounds. Well, the context that we don't have here is, I'm assuming this was because of their second big lockdown due to the, like, mutated strain and so it was a very serious lockdown and and overall i think europe generally speaking has taken care of covid a bit better than here in the states although there are other places and regions in the world that did it even better still but but i mean it absolutely should be taken this serious this person absolutely should have been fine they should not have been out of their house playing a game and it could have been going out for any reason right but when when we say only go out for essentials, that does not include gaming. <laughs> I'm yeah. so sorry. As much as I am the biggest gamer and I love to, I love all this stuff, there is nothing more important than health and safety. And unless you need to eat, right, or do something related to your, your health and well-being, you shouldn't be out, risk, out there at risk putting others at risk. It's just, it's insane. So good. I'm glad. They should have gone find more. Yeah, I mean, especially since Niantic has taken so many measures to make the game playable from home. I mean, we have so many friends that play community games just strictly at home, you know, and they're still able to get a bunch of shinies and stuff. So it's very possible to just play Pokemon Go sitting from your couch at home. So I'm I'm curious what the reason was, like, because it's, it's so specific. Like, they traveled 14 miles from home to, to play Pokemon Go. Like, I just... It's it's just amusing to me. Like, this guy really went and broke quarantine to play Pokemon Go. And I'm sure... That, I mean, the thing is, it's not the first time. I'm sure people are doing it all the time, right? And yeah. I think that's why I think this is an important story to highlight. Is because it's just... It's really inexcusable. Like, stop doing this if you are in a place where you are going to put people at risk. This is literally how you slow the spread is by not doing this. No, yeah, it's just insane. Like it's ridiculous. So of course, us here at Podcast Monsters want everyone to be responsible, especially during this pandemic. Um, we enjoy the game Pokemon Go, but us playing a game has to stop at the point where uh, we are putting other people in danger. So mm-hmm. um, if you're currently in a lockdown, if your country's experiencing the pandemic, uh, please follow your local guidelines. Please don't break the law, you know, We're trying to keep people alive here Um, and the game will still be here and there's no point going out of the house for a Rosalia. Well said. So in in terms of people playing Pokemon Go from home, uh, there is other big news. Pokemon Go actually just won a $5 million settlement from a hacking group called Global Plus Plus, uh, which created three hacked games made by Niantic, PokeGo Plus Plus, Potter Plus Plus, and Ingress Plus Plus, each of which allowed... Uh, users to play a modified version of the game which allowed them to spoof their gps location and move around in the world without actually changing their location physically i remember when i first started playing pokemon go and it was really hard to get a raid group together um i was like reliant on these people using these like uh, spoofing features because you would go to a, a poker spot, at least here in, I'm, I'm in the uh, Bay Area, so I was in San Francisco, and you would go to some of these uh, raids, and there would be like 15 or 20 spoofers in there with you, so you could actually beat things even if you weren't in an actual physical group. Oh, wow. um, so it was very helpful early on to do some of the, the harder things within the game and not have to get an entire actual uh, group of people together. 
but it was obviously cheating. And even though I wasn't cheating, I knew what those people were doing was wrong because they were getting all the all the Pokemon uh, and probably doing uh, a lot of other things that they shouldn't be. But ultimately, this does cost Niantic money. So I could see how there's uh, big issues for Niantic. And, and I'm thinking it's probably uh, the right call. It's probably fair that they actually are going to uh, settle and receive some recuperation for what these apps did to the games. Yeah, I'm curious how they settled and agreed to five million dollars. Like, okay, that's that's roughly how much we damaged your income. Like, five million dollars is no joke. That's a lot. Yeah, it's always it's always the question of like how many people used it who would have played and paid, right? Yeah. I think that's I guess how you have to try and assess something like this because. Most players are probably not using this, um, but there is a, a percentage of players who did and who obviously didn't then have to pay or, you know, spend money within the app for things that maybe they normally would have. So very curious how they came to the number, but it's it's good that they figured it out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ha- having having a, a patent or copyright lawyer in the chat would probably be a little helpful right now. But um, there's also the fact that this group uh, was using Niantec's game codes and we're altering those game codes and then distributing um, that software out to players. Um, so uh, even ignoring lost revenue, they definitely broke the terms of service. Um, and they are distributing an altered product that Niantic had a copyright on. So you know, even in terms of lost product, I think you could sue someone just for uh, just for distributing a altered version of your uh, intellectual property. Yeah, one hundred percent. Absolutely. Niantic is not new to uh, lawsuits. <laughs> Usually they're the ones paying out. So this is a definitely a flip on the script for them uh, to actually be getting uh, a win here. But, uh, I mean, there was a the whole mess of, of Chicago's Pokemon Go Festival. Um, there was initial issues with the game <laughs> having people trespassing on others' property. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Niantic has definitely dealt with their fair share of lawsuits. But I guess good for them for, for taking care of this one. And, and I, I don't have any... Although it was advantageous for me when I played the game as an actual player, um, most of the time cheats and hacks are pretty negative to games experiences for the most part. If if the hack doesn't affect anybody else, it's usually not the worst thing in the world. But when a game has a cheat or a hack or something that actually then gives you an advantage against other players, which I suppose maybe in terms of some of the peer-to-peer stuff that now exists, it does sort of give some of those players an advantage. I feel like this stuff just needs to go and it, it should always be addressed and dealt with. And, and it's on the developers to do that work and make sure that their games are not going to be messed with in that way and if they have to take legal action then they should yeah very well said there was actually a pretty large reckoning um, last year in the pokemon go community specifically in pvp where niantic rolled out new sort of banning software for players who committed bannable offenses you know maybe not permanent ban but shadow bans or temporary bans Um, there was actually an in-game way to identify players who had been banned in the past and if those players were regular PvP participants, they were called out on it, and there was a lot of falling out. There's a lot of controversy uh, when that happened, uh, and so the sentiment, especially with those who take the PvP very seriously in Pokemon Go, is very negative towards spoofing and people who obtained Pokemon in illegitimate ways. Yeah. So the community sort of, you know, already has made its stance on this. Um, and I think majority of players would be in favor of this kind of ruling. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, good call. Yeah, the one thing that I think this also did uh, that 
was interesting early on was there were some very uh, region-specific Pokemon, right, where you had to travel to a specific place to be able to get an opportunity to catch them. I don't yeah. know if this is still true or if they've later kind of released them in special waves or anything like that. But, um, like, I, I went to Japan uh, during the initial, you know, year of Pokemon Go. Um, and I think I caught Farfetch'd at the time was region yep. locked there. Um, yep. And so it was so cool to have that in my decks and it was like a cool thing to show off. And I remember a friend of mine had used this software or something like it to catch some of their own. And I just kind of felt like, again, it doesn't affect my experience really, but it was just like, well, I actually went there and caught this, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, it and it feels weird. It feels really, really weird. So again, anytime this stuff exists, it's, it's great to get, get rid of it, eradicate it. And I'm sure the community feels strongly about that for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of people who have very strong opinions on spoofing and, you know, we've talked about it on the show before about the different perspectives on spoofing because there are, you know, there is a population of people who are physically unable to play Pokemon Go like other people are, but I personally think that if you are of you know able body and mind that you should not be spoofing and, and this is a whole moral debate um that probably we don't have time to reopen today but it, i feel like it's something we might be revisiting in the future again because you know it's just it's part of the world it's part of our, the game experience they're always going to be spoofers yeah all right so moving on from pokemon go to maybe some physical versions of Pokemon. We have a Gigantamax Pikachu plush, which is dropped um, at Pokemon Center. And this is a big one. The Literally. Pikachu retails for $399. And uh, Shinja, what do you think? It's, uh, it's big and it's cuddly and I want it. I am a sucker for all things Pokemon plus related in it. I mean, it's a one to 20 scale version of Gigantamax Pikachu, but you know, funnily enough, even though this one is larger and makes more sense for a Gigantamax plush, they actually have a 17 inch version on the Pokemon center. That is one much cheaper. It's like 35 99. And I think it actually looks a little bit better. I don't know. Like, I really am always very curious whenever they do huge scale Pokemon plushes. Like the Pokemon Center actually recently restocked the life size Furret plush, which is like also almost four hundred dollars and and sold out. And you know we had that. What was it? The Psyduck. The Psyduck. The Mareep. Mareep. Oh my gosh, I wanted the Mareep so badly. I know they also announced not Applin, but what's the Flapple. Frap- Flapple, Flapple. There's a Flapple life-size plush also coming out. It might actually already even be out in Japan. So I'm very intrigued by life-size Pokemon plushes, but I think I actually would probably just get the 17-inch Gigantamax Pikachu personally. I have nothing to add. If you have $400 and want a two and a half foot Pikachu in your bed, get to it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I have to say the um, Dynamax clouds over Pikachu's head they, they, I don't know, they look kind of weird. They're just sort of like sitting flat on Pikachu's head. It looks like he's wearing like a crown or something. Yeah, and it's hard to see like his tail going through the clouds, which I think the 17-inch version does a better job of replicating. Yeah, I, I think the amount of wire you would need to keep that tail up for a Pikachu this size would just be infeasible with this, you know, with this kind of plush. Yeah. But I think fun. we're fans of the smaller one, but if you... 
enjoy a supreme chonk. Uh, this Pikachu is for you. <laughs> so besides the giant Pikachu plush, uh, Pokemon Center has uh, a bunch of new products, uh, including new Rotlove Mew jewelry, uh, which are out just in time for Valentine's Day. Uh, they have new active bags and active wear. And uh, we also have leaked images of four new Funko Pops that are releasing. A Meowth, Pikachu, Psyduck, and a Silver Bulbasaur. These are coming out later this year. Lots of cool new products. Um, I think the Mew uh, jewelry looks really nice. I would never personally buy like Pokemon-centric jewelry or gift that to someone, but I'm sure there's plenty of people who would love it. So I think the, the I piece want. itself is really quite quite beautiful. <laughs> and the uh, the active wear is good. It's got very subtle kind of Pokemon branding on it, but it looks like uh, pretty good yoga wear, good workout wear. Um, but the most interesting thing is definitely these pops for me. Seems like they're continuing on with the the silver versions. And so, man, <laughs> I can't imagine. I'm so glad I'm not a pop collector. I have a few, but I'm not, you know, anywhere near as crazy and into Pokemon pops or pops in general as I am collecting cards and other things. But they've done now like the Pikachu, right, in this form. And this is the first uh, of the three starters. Or have we already seen Charmander and Squirtle? I'm not sure. But to have like... The main version, the flocked version, now a silver versions. I mean, you're going to have literally like all of these different versions of one Pokemon, let alone trying to collect the rest of the Pokemon themselves. I cannot even imagine what it would be like to get all of these, but um, they look really cool. I think they're, they're, they're really awesome. It's just too much to collect, way too much. Funko Pops are a thing. <laughs> they really are crazy. Yeah, I, I dabble in collecting Pop Funkos, but I definitely don't go as hardcore as other people just because it, it's just too much to collect, and frankly, I don't have the space for it. I do have a few of the Pokemon ones. I have the Flocked Vulpix and the Flocked Growlithe, which are two of my all-time favorite Pokemon, like top three, so I'm very happy with those Flocked ones, especially because they're limited edition. And then I have a custom shiny Squirtle, which actually... Sean Yu Anime Cafe made for me, so shout out to him. But other than that, those are the only Pokemon pops I have. I have a few other pops as well, but I actually really like the Psyduck from these new leaked images. I think the the Psyduck is probably the only one I would try to get. I would maybe hold off to see if they do a flocked version of the Psyduck, which I think would be cute. And I think the silver editions are kind of interesting. I know they released a silver Pikachu recently, or... I don't remember if that has released yet or if it was just on pre-order, but this is the second silver Pokemon pop that we're seeing now with Bulbasaur. So, yeah, I guess like what Bruce was saying, I guess they're going to be doing the Kanda starters. I don't know. It's interesting. It's a choice. Yeah, I don't think I'll be picking up any of these pops, but I can definitely appreciate it. And I think I'm also, um, the Psyduck is my favorite. I know it's a so lot cute. of friends who love their Pokemon pops and are going to be all over this. Oh, the yeah. Bulbasaur in particularly. And of course, um, another week and more rumors about a Gen 4 remake. Poco Jungle posted on Twitter that the Pokemon community is abuzz with speculation uh, that an account known for leaking information announced that Diamond and Pearl remakes will be definitely released there this year. Um, although it seems like every week uh, we get more confirmation of remakes and still no <laughs> official announcement. So we are going to hold off on this one. All right, that wraps up this week's news. Um, now we're going to be moving into our anime rewatch. Uh, as always, we are moving through the Indigo League. Uh, this week we are on episode 7, The Waterflowers of Cerulean City. 
So we start off this episode as Ash seats the Cascade Badge in Cerulean City, but for some reason, Missy doesn't want to join them. We see Team Rocket commit a robbery in the city, stealing a vacuum and hose, but no one knows of their involvement yet. When Ash and Brock show up, the city is buzzing about a break-in that just took place, and are initially accused of the crime. Yeah, I love that this episode basically picks up right where we left off, where they're about to enter Cerulean City, and you can see this look of kind of like disdain and worry on Misty's face, and that's obviously what this episode goes into in her history with Cerulean City, which of course is where she's from, but no one knows that yet. I actually really love the beginning of this uh, this episode because it's such a throwback, right? Because the first time that they entered Viridian City, yeah, they <laughs> they run into a, a police officer also looking for someone. They get assumed and look at, or looked at it very suspiciously, um, so and the same true. thing happens. Yeah. So it's pretty funny. And then on top of that, uh, stealing a vacuum and a hose, I was thinking that, that this was going to be what they stole from Viridian City's Pokemon Center, I think it turns out it's not related, but right at the jump, I was like, oh my God, they're throwing back to that already. They're going to be using that, whatever they were using over there. I think it was some sort of vacuum hose transportation system. So it was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. You also see like the first time Brock is hidden on a girl, of course. Here we go. It just becomes a trend. <laughs> this is how it starts. Yeah. I also thought it was uh, interesting because the... Cerulean City Officer Jenny, uh, when Ash confuses her for the Officer Jenny in Viridian City, she's like, oh, haven't we met you already? It's like, don't you remember us? And she's like, oh, you must be talking about my sister-in-law. And I was like, why did they pick sister-in-law? Because if they were sisters, it would explain how they look identical. But if they're sisters-in-law, they have like absolutely no blood relation, but Wait, they still yeah, have the same up. name and look identical. So that, that was a bit of a head scratcher. I did not pick up on that. That makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, it was super Maybe, funny. Maybe, honestly, you know what? It might just been a dub thing, like the the mouth movement yeah. was too long, so they had to add sister-in-law. Yeah, I might. Yeah, I'm curious else. about that as well. She also instantly then is like, "Well, if you already met my sister, then you really are suspicious." <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good, which is pretty good. And as always, Dexter saves Ash, who's clueless about what to do with being accused, but he has a magical, intelligent Pokedex that saves him again. Did you call him Dexter? I love that. <laughs> yeah. He's the Pokedex. He's Dexter. <laughs> so cute. Well, after uh, they clear that up, Ash asks Brock for some insider tips on the Cerulean City gym leader, but Brock doesn't reveal much. Ash and Pikachu arrive at the gym, which resembles an aquarium with an Olympic-sized swimming pool. They see a water show performed by the sensational Cerulean City synchronized swimming sisters. Later on, Ash learns that the sisters are actually the gym leaders. He challenges them, but they don't feel like battling claiming they keep getting defeated by Pallet Town kids. Instead, the girls offer him the Cascade Badge without a fight. Just as Ash is about to accept the badge, Misty appears and says she is the fourth sensational sister, challenging Ash to a battle. It is revealed that Misty, the youngest sibling, left the city and vowed never to return until she was a great Pokemon trainer. Well, oh my god, like, hey, Ash, <laughs> do you just, like, want this badge or something? Because oh we really don't feel like battling too much today <laughs> whoa oh i did God. not realize we had a sensational cerulean city synchronized swimming sister on the show this week welcome first of all what a handful that name is like what the oh heck? my god yeah it's a good name it's a really good name <laughs> I, I love uh uh when when you got like the marvel like hero names like peter parker yeah it's oh. like a 
Automatopoeia? No, it's no, uh, alliteration. alliteration. Alliteration, thank you. I don't know why I am having a brain fart, but I do love the alliteration name with the sensational Cerulean City, synchronized swimming sisters. But yeah, they're, oh, they're you pretty went, lame. You went, you went all radio <laughs> announcer on us there. They're so lame, right? They are so lame. Why are they valley girls? Like, what is I that? Don't, yeah. <laughs> they're like the only person, they're, all, they're the only people in Cerulean City that have a valley girl accent. I'm like, where did where did you get this from? Why is no one else talking like this? It does not add up. And like, clearly, they're not very great gym leaders or Pokemon trainers. So I wonder why Misty felt the need to leave the city and not come back until she was a great Pokemon trainer because it doesn't sound like her like her sisters are much better than she is. Yeah, this is kind of the exact opposite of the good kind of kudos and feedback I usually give this anime in the past few episodes. Like, this is the first time where it's really like very archetype, uh, archetypical, archetype, Archetyp- I don't know. Yeah, yeah sure. Archetypal, and- I think. Yeah, and it just doesn't work, right? I mean, it's just like kind of like flat and lame, and sort of just puts puts them in a in a in a box. And thank God for Misty. Misty really spices it up Seriously? as the you know quote unquote lame duck sister. Again, another just you know tried and true sort of. She's the know, side duck sister thing. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's got a it's got shades of Cinderella or something. I don't know, but it's it doesn't work. It really doesn't work for me. I didn't like this aspect of this episode at all, and and the fact that they give them these ridiculous accents is just it's just rough. It's really rough. Yeah. yeah, I feel like they kind of use the sisters to sort of develop Misty's character, similar to what they did with Brock and his family, and it worked really well for Brock, but for Misty. I, I mean, I guess it adds to the depth of her character, but not not a whole ton. Yeah, I was kind of annoyed and, you know, a little disappointed with uh, this aspect of the anime. And I think I remember watching it way back then, wondering why the sisters were so standoffish and why they were being so difficult. But uh, Yeah, I mean, the fact that they were just going to give him the badge, like, come on. Well, I, I, I think I definitely, as Bruce said, maybe they use this to make, you know, to give Misty a chance to be, to show how strong she is. Not just in battle, but I mean in terms of her willpower and her as a person. Yeah, it is really fun to see them actually have a battle together. Do we ever get introduced to the sisters in any other Pokemon media? Like in the games or anywhere else? Not that I'm aware of. Because I mean in the games, it's just Misty is the gym leader in Cerulean City, right? Right, yeah. And I've never seen a a card with them. It's really weird. Like they're, they're not even really part of pokemon at this point yeah, as, as far as i can tell just to develop misty as a character really honestly i wonder if they even come back in the anime i, I guess we'll find out but i don't i don't remember them ever again <laughs> yeah i don't think so this might be their only appearance ever in pokemon that would be kind of sad actually i'd be okay with that now <laughs> <laughs> I totally we'll see i guess we'll see sad, sad for them not so bad for us also, it was funny because when they said they were out of Pokemon because they were just beaten by three different trainers from Pallet Town, all they had was a Goldeen. They're like, we can't battle. All we have is Goldeen. And Goldeen comes out and just flops around on the ground. And it's like another case. I don't know why Goldeen's always the butt of jokes. It's like the equivalent to Magikarp. But even Magikarp in the show seems more useful than Goldeen. I don't know what all the hate's about. I never cared for Goldeen or Seeking, honestly, so... Yeah, it is really weird how, like, first evolution Pokemon do get some shade, though, and and then their evolutions are always, like, amazingly powerful creatures, you know, but it's it's kind of a a theme that I think we see. It's also, I mean, the the logic starts to break down quite a bit here, and I know we talk about that sometimes, and we're kind of just like, oh, that's small, that's not a big deal, but, like, 
I mean, how long ago was their last battle? Could they not have gone to a Pokemon Center and healed up? You know, like there's just clearly ways to deal with this that the anime has established and it's really kind of just a weak 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 uh, reason as to why they wouldn't want to battle um and because the characters are really flat in this one they don't get any development it all sort of starts to just kind of fall apart if you think about it and again usually i'm like the first one to say whatever it's anime it's whatever but i mean this one definitely is just like really clearly there just to get misty going and you know that's what it is that's all it is oh yeah i I wanted to say something else about evolved versus unevolved pokemon i remember when ash was getting his boulder badge when he was battling brock brock completely wrote off pikachu he's like oh it's in its que- its cutest form there's no way you're yeah. going to beat me with a pikachu you know like maybe if you had a raichu you could but um and, and that was sort of interesting to me because it's very different from goldine from what we can see in the anime goldine only flops around on the he just flops around on the floor. And that's pretty much all Golding to do. But Pikachu is actually, you know, very capable at fighting and still is dismissed because it's unevolved. So it, it's it's interesting point that you bring up, Bruce. And I wonder, you know, is this something that we're going to, it's going to be persistent throughout the entire show about evolved versus unevolved Pokemon. Um, and it seems like our characters, uh, specifically Ash and Brock, uh, can really appreciate Pokemon regardless of if they've evolved or not. And I know Ash, definitely, he doesn't push his Pokemon to evolve. Um, You know, he appreciates them as they are. So I I think it's a nice message. um, And it's something that we've been hearing a lot from, but I don't know if we've talked about too much. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting point. I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for that trend as we continue to watch the anime. Like, if they kind of downgrade first tier evolution pokemon like it's kind of interesting well it's also interesting because there are pokemon that don't evolve in kanto and i don't think um they're ever dismissed all that much so it's weird the the relationship between pokemon trainers and evolution or just evolution in the pokemon universe the way that it's yeah i kind of have a feeling that this will not continue i think maybe we'll see it for a bit and yeah there's definitely like the cute pokemon and then there's the like ready to battle Pokemon. And I think we're going to continue to see a lot of blurred lines there, but the, the first generation and first and like the, the baby Pokemon and the cute Pokemon, like they always kind of had more of a playful, joyful thing going. And I think, you know, again, just thinking about even some of the more recent anime films that I've watched, they sort of start to blend and mix a lot of that. Yeah. Very interesting. So then Misty and Ash face off in the gym's pool. Pikachu is reluctant to battle against a friend. So Ash sends out Butterfree instead, and Misty calls Staryu. At first, Ash is the edge, but Staryu quickly regains power and washes off Butterfree's stun spore. Staryu knots Butterfree into the water, so Ash summons Pidgeotto on its place, and Misty sends out Starmie. Just as Ash is about to beat Starmie, Team Rocket crashes the party and begins to suck up all the water using the stolen vacuum and hose. Meowth uses the water to wash everyone away, then sets the Pokemon in an attempt to steal them. Ash, realizing electricity is super effective against water, tells Pikachu to Thunderbolt, which blasts Team Rocket away. Yeah, now we're starting to get into the classic anime formula for Pokemon, where everything's just kind of going along as planned until Team Rocket show up and have to change the entire course of what happens. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, another interesting tidbit, you know, speaking of Team Rocket, is that this was the last episode featuring Ted Lewis voicing James. 
James is then replaced by Eric Stewart towards the end of the next episode. So I didn't realize that James actually had two different voice actors in the Indigo League. But I'm going to be on the lookout for that now to see the differences in the next episode that we watch between the beginning of James and the end of James. And if the new voice actor sounds more similar to how I remember James sounding like. Yeah, it's funny because I was definitely noticing when we started rewatching the show, I was like, this is not the voice actor for James that I remember growing up with. Yes, I, I felt the same way, but I was like, oh, maybe it's just my memory being foggy, getting the way. Like, I thought it was me. But um, yeah, we'll see next episode. Yeah, I actually didn't notice that, but it's a really cool, cool, fun fact there. I don't have too much to add about the end of this episode, uh, only because I think like it really is very sort of rudimentary straightforward in terms of just you know how it plays out and this episode felt like it went really really fast there wasn't a whole lot of meat on the bones if you will and Mm -hmm. for it to be the second badge I guess maybe just a little bit disappointing um so Mm -hmm. yeah overall I thought it was it just is what it is and I'm excited to see hopefully things pick up a little bit more but like I would totally rather take Moonstone episode over something like this because even though this is main story stuff and it is advancing the plot and now he has another badge it still really feels like Ash is not earning a whole lot of this you know even though he takes care of Team Rocket and it's starting to lose a little bit of its already it's losing a little bit of its like purpose right he's supposed to be becoming this great trainer and we don't actually see him win anything so yeah yeah, I'm excited to see things pick up and and start to go more in an actual uh, direction where we see more more depth there and more development so the, the resolution of the episode um, is that the sisters decide to give Ash the badge, even though he didn't win. Uh, they say since Pikachu saved them um, and he would have easily crushed Misty if he had been able to use Pikachu, that he deserved <laughs> the badge, which is like, like what, what an awful thing to do your sister. Like Misty's pissed. And you know what? I would be too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also weird how Misty's like down to not fight Pikachu. Like, she's like, oh, thanks, Pikachu, for being a friend. Like, yeah, Pikachu, you're no, a Pikachu. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't you want to fight his most challenging Pokemon and actually earn your, 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 your win? I don't know. So she probably weird. <laughs> knew that Pikachu would have easily blasted away her Goldeen and Staryu had, you know, he decided to battle. So she was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she really was really happy to get that handicap. So. Yeah. I don't know. To me, like, after the incredible Clefairy and the Moonstone episode, I I think going from that to this was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of underwhelming. This episode... Yeah, um, it was jarring. (laughs) Jarring, whoa. Yeah, that's a strong word for it. I'm going to (laughs) say, you know, I definitely remembered this episode. You know, like, I'm familiar with it. I think all of the gym battle episodes are ones that really stick out in my memory. Yeah. But this is probably one of the weakest ones, in my opinion. Yeah, It's kind of the first episode we're just sort of down on, actually. We've, we've found some silver linings or something that we really liked in every episode. This one had almost nothing. So, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's not a terrible episode. It's just really not that memorable. And also, what happened to Brock? Brock just kind of disappeared for the entire episode. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because his absence is never explained. And it really bugged me. I was like, because he kind of makes it big deal about it like as ash is heading to the gym brock's like i gotta take care of some things like it's kind of sus honestly but they never explain it maybe next episode who knows 
Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Maybe we'll maybe see. he was uh, flirting with Officer Jenny the whole time. I oh, was going to make a joke oh, about that too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, so I, I always try to find some trivia or fun facts about every episode that we do, and Ballopedia kind of references what I joked about earlier, which is that this episode begins the gag where Brock becomes immediately infatuated by virtually every girl that he sees, and... You know, he asks Officer Jenny out, and that also this episode is the first time Brock is turned down by a girl, which I just think is so funny. The first of countless. Of yeah. Yes. <laughs> and speaking of Brock, another cool little detail is that this episode implies the fact that a gym badge sort of serves as a secondary ID for trainers or a primary ID for gym leaders because Brock is able to use his boulder badge to clear his name when him and Ash are accused of stealing the vacuum and hose whereas you know Ash uses handy dandy Dexter there so kind of cool little detail that you're able to use your gym badge as identification. Yeah, and then there's the implication that oh, if you're if you're a gym leader, you know, there's no way you could have committed a crime. You know, you're clear, you're trustworthy. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, that concludes our anime rewatch uh, for this episode. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us on Podcast Monsters. Um, if you enjoyed the thanks, sh- Dunks. <laughs> <laughs> thank Good you, job, Dunks. Yeah. This is uh, definitely my first episode uh, hosting, so. If you guys have any feedback for this episode, and please go easy on me because it is my first, uh, <laughs> you can reach out to us at podcastmonstersshow at gmail.com or Instagram at podcastmonsters. Uh, we'd love to hear from you about this episode or about any other content regarding Pokemon that you'd like to discuss. And if there's any of these topics that you'd like to talk about, uh, reach out to us and maybe you could be on the show. Ooh, spicy. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, we just wanted to say like thank you guys so much for all of your support throughout the duration of the time we've been doing Podcast Monsters. We've been getting some really lovely feedback and comments. And if you're an iTunes listener, if you could give us five stars and write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. And we'll read out your review maybe in a future episode. We're currently only at one written review on Apple Podcasts for the show, which we've read out before, but we have gotten some really nice Instagram DMs, which I wanted to just kind of shout out on today's episode. So this one comes from Mac Hicks, who wrote in saying, Hey, I listen to the podcast. I'm very glad to have something else to listen to besides It's Super Effective and The Shadowless Podcast. Not that there's anything wrong with those, but Lord knows I need more Pokemon in my life. Good work. Keep it up. And thank you. That was a really sweet comment. So thank you so much, Mac, for that. And we got another DM from Collector Souls who said, By the way, just recently discovered the podcast and I love it. Dude, I'm learning so much and I thought that I was up on my Pokemon knowledge. Turns out I'm totally in the dark. I really love that you guys really cover all aspects of Pokemon with the TCG, anime, and Pogo updates. Keep up the great work because I'll keep listening. So thank you so much, Collector Souls, for that really sweet comment so yeah thank you all so much for those really sweet instagram dms which i got on my personal instagram at trainer underscore shinja s-h-i-n-j-a so feel free to send more dms my way or again to our official podcast monsters instagram as well i've also got a youtube channel shinjinator 
where I do movie reviews, Pokemon card openings, and other video game related content. I'm a huge movie buff and I also have a film podcast called The Highlight Reel, which is essentially like a book club but for movies and we review and discuss all of the movie of the weeks from my movie discord server called the Shinema club so if any of that sounds enticing to you definitely come check it out if you're looking to follow along with me and my pokemon journey you can find most of that information over at bruise and pikachus b-r-e-w-s on instagram i post my collection I sometimes go live. I do a whole lot of story updates about things I'm up to and and working on. You can also catch me every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And sometimes you'll get some bonus streams as well over at twitch.tv slash Pikachus. And if you're itching for even more Pokemon content, uh, you can also check out my Instagram at trainer underscore dunks, D-U-N-K-S. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Podcast Monsters. We hope to see you next week. Until then, we'll catch you next time.